0: And then I am going to pray for us now. Lord, we thank you for your grace to us. Lord, your, your grace that caused you to save us. Your love that caused you to look on us with compassion. Lord, your grace that caused you to give up your son as a sacrifice to pay for our sins. That we might be not only called, but be your children. We thank you for that, Lord. Open our eyes and our hearts now that we might behold wondrous things in your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in John chapter 4. We're going to start reading in verse 35. This is a parable that Jesus is telling his disciples. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. This is God's holy word. So our text today is a, a parable that Jesus tells His disciples about the harvest. And this text beats with Jesus' missional heart for the people He calls out of darkness into His marvelous light. It's filled with God's mission, the Missio Dei, to create, bless, and dwell with the people for His own possession. But where does this parable Come to us. If you have read your Bible and you know this story, you know that that Jesus and his disciples were were on a journey, right? And they they ended up going crazy through Samaria. Okay? Jews did not go through Samaria. Okay? They actually took the long way around and went around Samaria. Why? Well, there was was a little bit of um, beef. If you will, between the Samaritans and uh, and the Jews, uh, part of it was because the Jews looked at the Samaritans as as kind of half-breeds. They were they were um, from interbreeding with those who had conquered them, right? And they were like, oh no! And they also didn't worship in Jerusalem like they were supposed to. They worshipped in Samaria, and because of those things, they would go around. And Jesus is like, hey, we're going through there. And once they get to the well, he sits down at the well and his disciples head into town to go get some food, right? And then this lady comes. This lady that would have been labeled even in Samaritan society an immoral woman. She's been married multiple times. And she's coming in the middle of the day where she wouldn't be bothered by the stares and the points and the whispers. And Jesus starts talking to her. And she says, why are you a Jew talking to me, a Samaritan? And then they have a conversation about the different things that, that they, they, how they worship differently. And then Jesus tells her something, right? He says, hey, go, go get your husband. She says, I don't have one. He said, you're right, you've had five. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. She said, huh? Okay, she probably didn't say that. I don't know. It doesn't say that in scripture. I would have been like, huh? And she goes. And she tells everyone that she comes across. Hey, you got to come see this guy. He told me everything I ever did. So in this story of, we call it, you know, the woman at the well or Jesus with the Samaritan woman. We see three things about mission emerge from this story. OK, we see who is sent. We see where they are sent and we see how they are sent. And these these three things combined to show us that Jesus saves people and then sends them into the harvest of salvation. You see Jesus doesn't just save people for the sake of saving them and then they they sit around with their bongos and they they sing kumbaya my lord or or like you know whatever. None of none of that. It's not just hey, it's me and my bible and Jesus. No. Jesus saves a person and then he joins them to a people and then he sends that people to other people You see Israel was to bring the nations to the Lord and they failed If if you haven't read that part they failed and then Jesus comes and he succeeds in bringing the nations To himself, because he is the Lord. And this woman, this woman is one of the first fruits of that. But he doesn't stop there. He then saves other people out of other nations. That's us. We're not Jews here. And he brings them into a church together. Then he sends them to others and he enables them to do likewise and to bring the nations to Jesus. So so while we're looking at this, let's let's just remember Jesus saves people and then sends them into the harvest of salvation. Okay. so first thing, who is sent? Who is sent? We see both in in just the short um, uh, 35 through 41, the short text. Uh, and also in the whole story of the woman at the well, that people are sent. But which ones? Well, let's look at it. Jesus is telling this parable to whom? His disciples. His disciples, the 12 guys. So who's sent? Well, not just them think the woman is sent too. But let's say everyone who has an encounter with Jesus and is convinced that He's the the Messiah, that's who is sent. Everyone who has an encounter with Jesus and is convinced that He's the Messiah, that's who's sent. The disciples, they know it. They know He's the Messiah and He's directly addressing them with this parable they're the ones sent to the harvest they're the ones who were first harvested and then sent out to others jesus sends his people out to harvest his people so who are his people well you know we've been looking at revelation lately oh it's the number no it's not the number But we've seen over and over, right? This multi ethnic people of God gathered before the Lamb on the throne. And there's another one sent in this story, and it's the woman. She was sent to go get her husband. See, she had an encounter with Jesus. That encounter was such that she saw that he was the Messiah, and then he sent her to get others. All have had an encounter and 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 look guys it's not just the perfect people either who are sent it's not the special people it's not the the disciples who you know we look at as this like special class of people well they they became apostles Yeah, that just means, you know what apostles means? It means one who is sent. Now, sure, there was the office of apostle, and there's something different about these guys and their authority in the early church. But you know what? Before that, they were just regular folks. Probably quite sinful as well. Maybe not as sinful as this woman, but they they still had sin that needed to be paid for. This woman was known as an adulterer. She had a number of husbands and was now living with a guy. If you're from the South, you've heard the term shacked up. They were shacked up. But she had an encounter with Jesus. And then Jesus said, Go get the man you're living with. But why? Why would Jesus specifically go through Samaria to meet this woman and then tell her to go get her husband when he knew she wasn't married? He tells us why. That sower... And reaper might rejoice together. See, he's the sower. He's the sower. He's the one who's who's been throwing these seeds out since the beginning, I would say. And and now he's saying, Hey, hey, you you who have just had an encounter with me, go get go get your man and bring him here. Why? I I think it was Jesus' intent. To do something with that man as well. Why? So that Jesus might rejoice in another being saved. And this woman would rejoice as well. See there's there's joy in this sending. And Jesus is the one. Who's the sower. Ultimately. But there were others as well. Let's say the Old Testament prophets. From Adam, to Moses, to David, to Jeremiah, to Malachi, finally to John the Baptist, and ultimately in Jesus. And then he says, hey, you're going to enter into their work and begin reaping. But church, the the thing that we've got to... Realize here, that the question I have for you, do you see yourself as part of the harvest? See, we must see that we are a part of the harvest before we can see ourselves as harvesters. We must understand the grace of the Lord Jesus as extending to us before it extends through us. If we don't see that someone was harvested before us and then sent to us, We will never go to others. So who was sent to you? Who did the Lord use to preach the gospel to you in both word and deed? You see, Jesus saves people and then he sends them into the harvest of salvation. So who was sent to you? Because he sends people... To other people for the sake of the harvest. So now. Our second section here. Where. Are they sent? So from this passage we can see that people are sent in two different ways. I'd say two kind of categories. All right, The first category is a general sending. This is where the church is sent. The church is sent into the harvest. Where they are. See there's. Nothing special about being a missionary or being commissioned to do a certain work. The disciples, that's the entire church at the time, was sent out to the harvest. He said to the disciples, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. He's saying if you just Look, you will see people around you who are part of that harvest. Don't get distracted. Don't get too busy. Don't be spending your energy and effort in other places. The fields are white with harvest. And there's a lot of things that we can get distracted with today, right? Man, have you seen the price of gas? crazy right like dang, gum it man so so we could get distracted with like hey we got to fix the economy i don't know if everyone who wants to fix the economy speaks like that i'm sorry that was maybe a little harsh we could whether you're on the left or the right side of the aisle you can look at our government and say we got to fix our government There's there's all sorts of things that that we can get involved in that could be distracting, that might not be bad things. But they're not the main thing. You see, the main thing is that the fields are white with harvest. These things are all secondary to reaching the people, to reaching Jesus' people. And it requires a mindset, a mindset shift that many of us don't have, okay? It requires an exiles mindset, all right? The first piece of this mindset shift is seeing that you were saved for a purpose, and that purpose is not governmental intervention, okay? There are very few Christians who are called to participate in government, I think, okay? I'm not the Lord, okay? This is me talking. I think very few. There are very few Christians who I think are are positioned and equipped to impact the economy in any meaningful way. But you know what every Christian is equipped to do? They're equipped to be sent to those around them. Every Christian is. Your first purpose, if indeed the Lord has saved you, is one who is sent into the harvest. You must see that as priority number one. The second piece of this mindset shift to an exile mindset is seeing that you do not belong to this world. If you see that, then the temptation of being an American, America, I love America, but you're the temptation of being an American or a democrat or a republican or if you're a libertarian you're saying even better a libertarian i know who you are i see you love you guys or a worker in a firm in a big company you know all of that stuff takes a back seat when you realize you you belong to a different kingdom Your allegiance is not owed to America or to Democrats or Republicans or or your company. No, your allegiance lies to the kingdom of Christ. It's where it belongs. And we're called to impact worldly kingdoms for the better, but how do we do that? How can we impact the the kingdom's of the world for better. It's with an exile mindset. You see, when God sent his people into exile in Babylon, <laughs> I'm sure that there were a lot of things they, they could have looked at and said, you know what? This place, this place is godless. You know what we need to do? We need to go and protest the idol worship that's going on at the temple of Marduk. That's what we need to do. We need, to, we need to lobby the government to change their idolatrous practices so that things would change and we could live a better life here. I'm sure there were a lot of things that they could have gotten involved in, even work-wise, and, and kind of infiltrated some things and made it a little bit different, right? And, but what did God tell them? He said in Jeremiah 29, 7, not 11, 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Seek the welfare of this godless, pagan nation who just came and conquered you brutally. Pray for them. And pray to the Lord on its behalf For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Now, look, guys, when you examine the history of the world, the greatest tool of human flourishing is not economic prosperity, it's not a free and democratic society, it is not freedom for the sake of freedom. What is the single biggest cause of human flourishing every time it has come to a a society? It's the gospel. The gospel. And the change at a small level. The level of individuals being saved and brought together to create a new community and culture down here, not up here. That is the greatest tool of human flourishing. You want to see the world made a better place? And see where the Lord has sent you. And preach the gospel there. Notice he tells his disciples that they are sent, not to a certain place, but just sent. That's why we end our service every week with what words? Come on, say it together Cross of grace you are sent. There is a commissioning that happens every week and and it's it's you're sent to wherever you're going. Sent by him. You know, in Matthew 28, we often uh, translate that word go as if it were an imperative, but it's not. It's not. It's a participle. And so it's more like going Okay, so hey, going. Oh, I'm going already. As you go, everywhere you're going, then comes the the imperative, the command. Make disciples. So there's a general sending into the harvest. But there are some also sent to specific places. This is the woman from the well. You see, she was sent to get her husband, which she didn't have. She was sent to get him, and as she went, she got others as well. She couldn't help telling people, come see the man who told me all I ever did. See, she had an encounter with Jesus and was changed and told people about it and brought them along with her. She was sent to a place she would be more effective than the other disciples were. You know, this is a part of the call that the Lord has on our lives to go back to Prague. You know, there are very few Christians there. You heard me say that earlier. And and it's not like we're going there to do something special. We're going there to do the exact same thing we're doing here. I'm going to go and be a pastor. My wife's going to go and be a teacher. Okay, there's, there's no like special seasoning that gets sprinkled on us when we go somewhere. No, we're, we're going back there because we experienced a, a, a level of effectiveness and fruitfulness that was like, okay, yeah, we can be effective there, and they just need more people. And you know, it, it, it doesn't mean we're special it doesn't mean the lord loves us differently or especially he he sent this woman to where she would be more effective than the disciples were it's just that simple but he sends us all every single disciple he sends into the harvest because jesus saves people and then sends them into the harvest of salvation He's the one who sins, and our call is to be obedient to the sending. So how can you be more effective in the place that the Lord has sent you? Well, I would say the first thing is to target what one writer calls people of peace. And we see this as being a biblical thing. You know, when Jesus sends the 12 out in Matthew 10, he says, As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. Look for people who are not overtly hostile to the gospel. Why do I say overtly? Well, Scripture's clear that all of us are at enmity with God outside of his gracious saving work. There are are those who are not overtly hostile. Look for them. Look for them. And then, you just have to be known as a Christian in both word and deed. Why do I say word and deed? Well, words are important. The deeds help give credence to the words. But the words have to be there. You know, we get it twisted sometimes, right? And we're like, oh, if I just live a good life, like, they're going to ask. They don't care. I've been walking with the Lord since 07. I've had three people ask. Three people. Maybe your life's different and you've had a lot of people ask. I've had three. You've got to be speaking. Speaking the words of life. Be bold when the opportunity arises to speak the gospel to those who need it. Remembering that Jesus saves people and then sends them into the salvation. Look, your harvesting will be effective if you're using God's word as your sickle, your harvesting instrument. Cannot that, that harvest cannot be frustrated. Finally, very quickly, how are they sent? I think we're sent in four ways. We're sent with Jesus' authority, with His empowering, with His word, and finally with His presence. All right, so Jesus tells the disciples which includes us as disciples here today. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Jesus sends us. His authority overrides everything. The one who has all authority in heaven and earth, He says, I sent you. We go in that authority. We're sent with Jesus empowering. He says, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. He's saying, hey, the, the, the hard work is already done. Hard work is done. You get to do the easy part. You get to do the part that brings joy when you see people respond to the gospel. You don't have to do the hard toil. You don't have to do the thing that you can't do, which is provide a sacrifice for cleansing from their sins. No, you just go. The hard work's done. Enter into this labor. And we go with Jesus' word. At the end of this Verse 41 tells us that about the response of the Samaritans, right? And many more believed. Why? Why did they believe? Because of His Word. The Word of God contains a record of God's dealing with mankind. The Word of God contains the revelation of God to man. The word of God contains the gospel, which it says is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. The word is what we are sent with. The word is effective. And finally, we're sent with Jesus' presence. At the end of Matthew 28, What's the last thing he says to the disciples? Surely, I am with you to the end of the age. And what's that age? It's the gospel age. It is the age from the time that Jesus was ascended until Jesus comes back. That's the age. So he's with us through it all. And he sends us out not alone, not alone. We go with him because Jesus saves people and then sends them into the harvest of salvation. And he will bring about that harvest, he will bring about the glorious salvation of his people through His Word, which conquers every tribe and people and nation. And He will do it through His Word, by His people, taking that Word under His authority, empowered by His Spirit. That's how we go. That's how we're sent. In His presence. And now... We join him at his table, enjoying his presence through a feast of the elements symbolizing his body broken for us and his blood poured out for us. If you're not a believer, we would just ask you to not partake of the elements of the Lord's table. The Apostle Paul tells us, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. This is a meal for the gathered family of the Lord. Therefore, if you're not part of that family, just observe. If, however, you've come to faith and repentance For the forgiveness of sins in in the blood of Jesus shed for us. This meal is for you. So church, let's open up our bread. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Church, let's eat the bread. Amen. Let's open the juice. The apostle continues in verse 25. In the same way also he took the cup after supper. Saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup and drink. Maybe. You're asking the question, hey, there are a lot of communion passages. Why did we read that one today? Paul tells us in verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That is what we are sent into the harvest to proclaim. That Jesus saves people through His death and resurrection and then He sends them into the harvest to tell about His glorious coming again and to to see His kingdom expand. And now, Cross of Grace Church, we're going to end our service By saying you are sent to proclaim that.